Welcome to the Kimmy Travels podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Walter. I am an expert expat and a slow traveler who spent nearly 15 years abroad. Join me as I talk about a variety of topics surrounding all things travel, living abroad, and social issues. Pull up a seat as I share some of my most exciting stories and experiences. You'll also hear from my fellow Globetrotters, and you'll get my take on what's going on in the world. Welcome back to the Kimmy Travels podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Travis Thomas. He is a cross-cultural leader writer, poet, and teacher who is currently living in Merida in the Yucatan area of Mexico. So he's going to talk to us today a bit about working in Mexico, living there, and he's got some really cool projects uh, as well that he's going to talk to us about. So Travis, it's so good to have you on. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. You look incredible as (laughs) usual. Thank you. (laughs) Beaming. So I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I just came back from a long walk. I was up north. It's, uh, there's a little spot I like here in Merida called uh, uh, Montejo. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And uh, so I was there and then I walked about 50 minutes back uh, to the south of the city where I am. Well, thank you so much for walking all the way back for our little show. Of course. So for those who aren't familiar exactly where the Yucatan area of Mexico is, can you explain it? So, for example, I'm in Texas, right? You Mm -hmm. guys, it's, you know, border of Mexico. So Mm -hmm. imagine we're looking at the map from that perspective. Where is the Yucatan? So if you think about just that Gulf, right, the Gulf Mm -hmm. of Mexico, Think of Louisiana, going to go to Louisiana and just mm-hmm. drive straight south. Oh, not drive. You got to take a boat. So <laughs> just, <laughs> you could drive, but that yeah, would be you could very drive. That would not be advised. <laughs> okay, okay. Just not, you know, wouldn't advise that. So you're just going to go straight south across that Gulf. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you are. You'll hit, uh, you'll hit uh, Yucatan. All right. And then uh, if you look to the if you're looking at the map. All right. To your right, you're going to see Cuba very close to Cuba. Right. And then, you know, right there is Florida. Okay, so just right in that little pocket. Many times that's also where those uh, those those storms swell up. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. And we are we are like here. The 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 weather's crazy, so it's definitely Mm -hmm. yeah. This year and yeah, Mm -hmm. in general, the past Mm -hmm. year and a half, yeah. Okay, well, let's start by just kind of introducing you and as a traveler. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about your journey and ultimately how you've ended up in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my journey, like beginning, my be- the beginning of my travels. Wherever you wanted to start, wherever you want sure, to start. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, um, um, as far as for me, I always had the uh, had a, a deep desire to travel. Had a de- always had a desire to kind of leave and get out of uh, the confinements of where I was. Right. That started early on, growing up in New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey. So. You know, where I grew up, um, you know, it, just the circumstances of, of uh, really growing up poor and just kind of really having to improvise, you know, with everything in life. And then uh, as I got older, you know what I'm saying, uh, just really uh, noticing and being very observational about how things started to get clicky, groups, mm-hmm. gangs, all of that. Right. So things are broken up, up the hill, down the hill. Right. You couldn't go here. And, and I always kind of 
bucked against that system. You know what okay. I'm saying? I couldn't go here, couldn't go there, or mm-hmm. you know, you risk getting jumped and all of this stuff. So, you know, I just kind of was always uh, aware of borders, you know, growing up. And uh, there was something inside of me too that just always wanted, you know, always te- I would always test borders. <laughs> okay, I could <laughs> see that, that was, about you, you know, just like pushing mm-hmm. back a little bit, see how far uh-huh. you could get. Okay. Yeah, yeah, asking questions, why? Well, why can't I go there? Well, why? Da, da, da. Right, and so, you know, uh, you know, I would always do that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, I think when I first had my first chance to get out, um, I went to Minnesota. You know, I lived with my father for one year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was something I think at that at age two, 12, 13. Okay, when, so you uh, were about 12 or 13 mm-hmm. when you left Jersey to go to Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, to go to Minnesota to live with my father for one year. And I think around that age, honestly, um, uh, is so important for young kids, right, um, to sort of have exposure to environments that are different than what they know and understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it uh, it started to create, once I had a chance to leave New Jersey and get outside of the confines of where I was born, um, it opened up new uh, possibilities mentally, right? Uh, 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 and I began to think outside of just those, you know, the structures of what I grew up in and what I knew. And so I think, um, you know, on the topic of travel, mm-hmm. when we're thinking about children too, I think it's very important to try and and, and, uh, influence children to like travel at an early age, 12 and 13, especially, um, and open up their minds to new possibilities of places and locations. And also, I think it kind of begins to break the mold of their limits too, Mm -hmm. right? And what they know and understand. So fast forwarding 2012, you know, was my first trip abroad outside of the country. Mm -hmm. I ended up going to China for a month. And then every year after that, I kind of set a goal. I mean, that I wanted to travel at least to one country new, one new country every year. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because from Jersey via Minnesota straight to China, how did that happen? Like that is such a huge leap, Mm -hmm. like language, culture. And a lot of people don't even like, you know, China, obviously, because everything here is made in China. Mm -hmm. But How did you decide? Like, I think that's where I want to go. Yeah, well, I had some friends from high school, you know, and they were part of like this church group. And so they were going to China on a music tour. Right. And so we had done music together. And uh, this was uh, I graduated high school in the 20, 2000. And uh, wait, what year? It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what year are we in right, right now? 2021. So it wasn't 2017. It had to be 2007. Good Lord. Yes. Know. Yes. You know what's crazy? All right. I'm going to say this really quickly. There was a, uh, I was watching uh, this guy, Kev, Kev on stage. On stage. <laughs> yeah, did you see that when he talked about um, I saw your how comment. kids hold the phone? Hilarious. Oh my, that blew my mind, yo. I really okay, had explain a it for people who haven't seen that little video yet. All right, so what listen. was happening in this video? So Kev on stage, he was talking about, uh, and you can check out his Instagram, how uh, this new generation, because I think about this a lot, I have a book here actually that called uh, Reclaiming Conversation, The Power mm-hmm. of Talk in the Digital Age. Yes, it's important. A lost art. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And what I was and he was talking, basically, he was sharing how children in this this new generation have never had uh, a phone that you pick up, you know, where you're listening on one side. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, yeah, basically, they don't kind of spread their thumb and their pinky out 
mm-hmm. and hold it to their, you know, to imitate a phone like we do, mm-hmm. right? Our generation, they hold their hand flat against their face. Yeah, just like know? a palm to the side yeah, of your a face. Palm to the side of your that face. That was so, hilarious. Man. Yeah, and it's something so, so small, but it's got mm-hmm. such a big significance, you yes, know? Like, exactly. how would you hold a phone using your hands, right? Mm-hmm. Our generation, it's totally going to do the thumb pinky. Mm-hmm. And the kids are just like, Palm to the to the side of the head. Yes, yeah, that that really kind of wow. made me feel my age. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about age because some of us are older than others. <laughs> oh yes, yes. still looking good. You know, what I mean? we try young chickens. Still. We we try, we try, do what we can. Right. Okay, so, so go ahead. You were in China. So, so China, you know, this trip was a result of my friends from high school. Um, IU van. And so we traveled and we did music together for a month. We were on a tour. So we went from Yunnan, uh, from Kuming, uh, all in the Yunnan province, you mm-hmm. know, which is uh, about south, the southeast of Asia, all the way to Jinhang, which is like a northern, they call it northern Thailand, mm-hmm. you know, because it shares a border. And there, there you can see this clash of, of, of Thai culture and uh, Chinese culture, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool place. So early on, I was always really open to culture. I had this fascination with culture. Even when I was little, it's funny because now I speak Spanish, you know, fluently. But at the time when I was younger, I remember walking around the house (laughs) when I used to hear Mexicans and stuff. Because in Jersey, you know, it's Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans. We all like, you know, we're all in the same barrios, all all in the same communities. Mm. Like you go to the bodega, mommy, let me get this, papi, let me get this, (laughs) etc. Okay. So I had this exposure to culture very early on, and it was very natural for me to kind of blend in. And, you know, I had my best friend was Dominican, and I lived with him and his family during hard times. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was little, little, I used to walk around. And this is my imitation of Spanish, you know? It's just what you heard. And you yeah, exactly. That so, is so cute. That is, I mean, that's the process of language acquisition. So mm-hmm. it's totally natural. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so... Basically, that kind of, you know, having friends who, you know, who had traveled, my friend was uh, Asian and white. And so, you know, they put on this tour and I went and uh, we did music and traveled around, you know, uh, Yunnan province. Mm-hmm. And that was my first trip. That was my first trip. And I, and I also loved just the language, right? Uh, Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> Huh, nihao, nihao. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, and I, so that was my first trip, China, 2012. Oh, wait, what did you just say? Yeah. Oh, I said, uh, well, I speak, I speak a little Mandarin. I speak a little Chinese. Okay, okay. But not very well. But not, oh, you know what? This <laughs> is such a good phrase to know in every single mm-hmm. language. So you yes, said in Mandarin, exactly. say it really quick for the folks in Spanish. In Spanish? Yeah. Uh, hablo... Uh, hablo mandarín o ma- hablo chino no lo sé bueno, sí, pues, es mandarín. En, en hablo mandarín pero no bien ah, okay. no hablo bien okay bueno ¿Qué? un poquito pero no mucho un poquito <laughs> también un poquito también ya yeah. so okay. 2012 China 2013 Haiti 2014 ah oh, sorry I'm forgetting the timeline but China Haiti, mm-hmm. Kenya, wow, 
Uh, I did a quick stop in UAE, in Dubai, but that mm-hmm. was like a day. I don't think that counts. I, I did well, work I mean, in Puerto Rico. You touched wo- the, the ground? Yeah, I touched there. I okay. walked around, explored the full day. Uh, I did okay. go to um, work in Puerto Rico for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, I hope. I, oh, of course, <laughs> Colombia. All right. Uh, yeah. I did live in Canada as well. Uh-huh. I lived in mm-hmm. Canada and um, right now, Mexico. Right. Okay. So I. I Mexico was big because I wanted to kind of get all of North America. So I feel very accomplished mm-hmm. now. <laughs> well, before we like deep dive into Mexico, yes. we need to skirt back to sure, sure, sure. Colombia because that's yes. where we met. So yes, exactly. Travis was mm-hmm. living in Bogota, I think, when yes. I was doing a volunteer stint. It was only supposed to be like a two month volunteer thing that I was doing with like some local high schools through the the Ministry of Education and I hated Bogota really it's like really I didn't know you were doing that program either with Maddie you remember our good friend Maddie Maddie. yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so that's how we met because we were actually roommates Mm -hmm. um and we became of course very close anytime you're sharing close quarters with somebody Mm -hmm. like my best friend mm-hmm. uh, or I hate you <laughs> mm-hmm. luckily for us we you know we yeah, you really bonded so I was only supposed to be there for two months and really I didn't like it. it's like the big bad city it's gray mm. there's like six million people it's overcrowded mm. the buses are nightmare eight, eight there's a ten. lot of oh eight to <laughs> ten did I say six okay mm-hmm. eight to ten million people yeah. right in an area that's hard to expand because it's backed by mountains so it's just mm-hmm. like so and dead. the infrastructure makes it Im- impossible oh. as far as the architecture because of our so there's no way you gotta go to up. you got to go up yep that's you know? all and the pollution like i had an eye infection within a week <laughs> because the yeah, pollution yeah. was pollution so the altitude right oh a lot of people it hits you when you first get and there i'm like hell you're going to have to drink some coca tea yes you have to you, like, you have to be prepared to visit bogota and yes. then it's the weather. It's gray and it's raining. So mm-hmm. maybe it would remind you of Seattle if you're in the States or you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you, after two months, after my initial shock, because I'd come from Medellin, which they, they say is like yeah. the city of eternal spring. So it's like yes, just yes, beautiful, yes. perfect weather. And there's also always that rivalry, right? right you go to right. Medellin, they're going to say, oh, Bogota, oh, the Bogota, no, it's not frío, la gente. Yeah, they're so cold, you know? And then you go to, you're in Bogota and they say, oh, the people from Medellin, they're like right? so fake. There's and always that rivalry. But luckily for me, like I had no allegiance to anybody. I was just like, mm-hmm. I feel this way here. I feel that way here. Yes, and I yes. didn't like Bogota. And until mm-hmm. probably like the second month. So it was like a month of being like, yes, yes, yes. it has to grow on you for sure. And it grew on me to the point where after those two months, I found a job and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. bye, Medellin, I'm moving to Bogota. And mm-hmm. part of the reason I think is because I found your group. So mm-hmm. at the time oh, you wow. had a poetry group called Paradox and Poetry. And I just yes, felt like I yes. found my people. So explain nice. to us, uh, that group, how you started it, like really sure. what it was, what was the mission behind that? Yeah, Paradox and Poetry, right? So Paradox and Poetry initially started in probably as an idea in 20, 2013, mm-hmm. right? So I had been working as an outreach director, right, um, with nonprofits and churches, things like this. So I was always kind of working in this space of creating um kind of uh, creating spaces for cross-cultural interactions, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's people here, people there, right? How do we make them get along, especially um, with among Black and Latino communities, right? Where there's shared resources, right? Um, Especially if people who 
who are just either migrating or people who don't have a lot of means, right? To mm -hmm. um, uh, and and yeah, you're, there's a lot of shared resources, community centers. So I would be in places like that, like community centers, and how do we create better communications interactions? Mm -hmm. So paradox and poetry, right, was um was a solution to a problem of uh, initially, right, which happens in our communities, right, um, of uh, uh, over policing, right. Mm -hmm. And I was in South Carolina and uh, Aiken, South Carolina. And long story short, and, and, and tragically, I mean, two officers were killed, you know. Um, and this is like I said, there it wasn't they didn't have a community policing model. Right. It wasn't about like getting to know the people the like, etc. Right, you know what I'm saying? Status, Uplifting right. community, but just right. punishment and just mm -hmm. like, oh, bad guys. And, mm -hmm. you know. The, the traditional way police yeah. works in the police system works in the U.S., yes. right? So I kind of was asked by the chief of police, who was a black woman, right? And she said, you know, can you, what can we do? And I teamed up with her and a uh, mental health uh, counselor uh, named Cheryl Cummings. Yeah. And basically we brainstormed what can we do to uplift our communities, mm -hmm. right? Another black woman counselor. Right. What can we do to uplift our communities um, and um, and help that kind of relieve some of this tension? Because you have mm -hmm. to think that on the other side, their gang. Right. Is saying mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? We just lost two of ours. So, mm -hmm. you know, retaliate, we retaliate. Right. We're gonna, we want to we're they probably you know, thinking maybe we're out for blood. And that's the way mm -hmm. this, I think the psyche works. So for me, it was like, OK, man, how do I try to foster some sense of like peace, not even just like try to fix it all, but rather like alleviate some of the tension that exists right now in the communities. Mm. So the solution was, you know, I love poetry. I love expression. I love voices. And the thing is that you see most cops who patrol that whoever has this area they're assigned to, they don't know the people in the community. That's you know? true. Right. They're and just so, there to like. Mm -hmm, I'm, I'm here to stop crime, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not really protecting nor serving in any way, mm -hmm. shape or form. So. I said, let's create uh, 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 a campaign and it was called uh, Poetry in the Park. And it was a series where I selected, we selected parks in particular that were underserved. These are parks mm -hmm. that like, even, this is interesting, even when we were doing it, there would be white people who came and they mm -hmm. were like, this is not, what, how is this even considered a park? It doesn't even have swings mm -hmm. for children or nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So long story short, how it worked was I would, I toured around all the parks in the communities in South Carolina, all right, in Aiken, and I hosted open mics, you know, for the community to come out and share their stories. And then in the opposite end, the police uh, showed up to serve, actually serve, like serve people food. And so mm -hmm. that was the design. So mm -hmm. the police come to serve food and to get to know the people in the community. Of the neighborhood, right. Exactly, right. of mm -hmm. the neighborhood, you know, so we can kind of, so you're not just showing up Mm -hmm. When there's a call, to enforce <laughs> exactly to enforce, but you're actually right. there to get to know the people and actually to hear their stories. Right, that's you important. I mean, it's so hard to to say, and like it's not fair that we have to justify that we are human beings. Exactly. Yeah, we have, we have stories as exactly. a person. Like I have mm -hmm. depth. I have you know feelings and emotions, mm -hmm. and I've been yes. through some stuff. It's not just yeah. like black person, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, right, that is what 
what I think poetry does and what opening a mic and creating space for people to tell their stories does is it it humanizes us. It gives each person an opportunity to say, oh, damn, like I went through that same thing, you know, in my life. Yeah, I actually lost somebody, too. Or I, I actually had a really bad relationship, too. And, and wow, I right where it's just not like that person, them over there. But mm-hmm. like, man, you can share and you can empathize because that's what's lacking. That's right. It's just that right. empathy. So. Right. That's where paradox and poetry started. The inception okay. was from that that event that to alleviate okay. tensions awesome. in the community. I did and, not know that. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah, That's so yeah, cool. I mean, it just it's deeper than I would have imagined. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it just grew from there. You know, from that uh, para, uh, poetry in the park series mm-hmm. to then consultations, and then it kind of I started to do consultations when I moved to Florida from South Carolina. And then I was writing for other people, you know, mm-hmm. or I would write for like a grand opening of something like, you know, someone had an event or opening uh, of, a, of, a, of a location. You know, I would go and perform there and mm-hmm. kind of help, you know, like this or, you know, someone who wanted a custom po- poem or something like this or narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've written, wrote some like children's narratives and things like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it then became just that like my that uh, writing business for consultations. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward, um, when I got to Bogota, you know, I would do like open mic and I would perform with my friends and do poetry, like spoken word for events or host and MC events, mm-hmm. and then do spoken word and intermissions and stuff. And then, um, you know, uh, when I got to Colombia, when I got to Bogota, you know, I, Bogota was a place for me to, you know, really sort of uh, kind of deconstruct, you know what I'm saying? It was a place for me to deconstruct my worldview, mm-hmm. you know, um, Western uh, worldview to deconstruct um, my, like uh, Christianity tenets that I didn't agree with, you know what I mean? To deconstruct all like a lot of that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Also just self-image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like uh, W.E.B. Du Bois talks about the double consciousness, right? Amalgamating those parts of ourselves. I think we're, as Black people, we mm-hmm. um, we have to uh, acculturate, you know, acculturate uh, or acclimate, right? To, uh, to, to survive, <laughs> you know, would you say? I said yes to, of the others, right? The, yes, the dominant exactly. culture. Exactly. So, hold, just to interject, I don't, again, I don't want to interrupt you, but no, this no, is, no. As you're explaining it, what I'm thinking is this is why traveling is so important. Yes. Because you had that opportunity to step out of your norm, right? Mm-hmm. You're in a new city, like you said, with eight to 10 million people. Mm-hmm. And you have this blank slate. Like they don't know that you're traveling. No one knows me. They don't know mm-hmm. that you, you know, did this thing in Florida. You know, you have this opportunity, like you said, to really think about the layers Mm-hmm. And to evaluate and really to rebuild any image of yourself that you want. And when you're in the place or the country or the city or the town where you were born and raised and grew up, and you just, I, I think sometimes you get stuck in that rut or in that autopilot. It's like, this is who I am. This is who I was. This is who I will be. Mm-hmm. So when you do travel and take that out of the equation, like just, you know, get outside of your comfort zone, you have that freedom to really look at yourself through that different lens. 
Yes. Yeah. You, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. Please continue. And, and you have that. You have that. I love it. I love what you shared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have that ability. Yeah. To reconstruct, you know. And for me, it was this question, too, because I've been in leadership like for most of my life because, you know, you know, fortunately, like among me and my brothers, like I was the one who was able to go to Minnesota, right, to see something different mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of you know, my brothers, a lot of my friends from childhood, are, they're either you know, I mean, dead or in prison, you know, mm-hmm. they got caught up in the system, mm-hmm. you know, they became like we say, you know, a statistic, a statistic right? Like, right. so um, that's kind of like, you know, I feel, you know, I felt like kind of, um, you know, basically, Kind of getting out, you know what I mean? I, I can't remember where I was going with that, but long story short, connect connected with to, to what you were saying. Yeah, I just kind of um had a chance to um to not be in leadership actually when I first mm-hmm. got to Bogota, right? Because I, you know, I was involved in the church, I think in my preteen, early, probably late, like 14-ish, you know what I mean, to my 20s. And then uh even in that, right, I was kind of like uh, thrusted into these positions and places of like leadership very early on, mm-hmm. very young, you know what I'm saying? So, and this is also just growing up quick, right? When you right. grow up yeah, in those that, type that of environments. A lot of responsibility. Yeah, a lot of, exactly. Sorry. A lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Being the only one in my family to leave and to go to college and to, you know what I mean? All of these things. So mm-hmm. I've always, I always tended to carry that, like, you know what I mean? That, that, that burden of leading. Right. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I did move to Bogota in a way, it was kind of like, this is my year. Like I didn't need to work if I didn't want to. Right. So I just sort of like, I got there and I just, I I vacationed for like a month. (laughs) Yeah. Just traveled all around the country. I went to Choco, Medellin, San Andres, went to uh, uh, San Gil. I went to like Guatape. I went to, you know, all, all, all around, all the places. I could just Mm -hmm. go on and on and on. And I think I had like eight flights. I think I took like eight flights during that, that month and a half. and um yeah I was just going all around so so it was beautiful and I also recognized and realized right even then you you recognize when you go and you have that freedom that we're working we're not you know working just for money we're working for time to buy our lives to enjoy our lives to have a lifestyle Mm -hmm. right quality exactly And, Mm -hmm. and, and also ways in which we reevaluate right wealth right to me now it's like you know organic food can i get do i have access to fresh raw fruits and vegetables right mm-hmm. um do i have access to nature right mm-hmm. and 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 things like this too so um you know you can in, invest your money more wisely to to get those things that bring wealth to your life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and add value um and that are life affirming so i hope i'm uh, on topic. Uh, You're but, absolutely on topic. So You're talking about to Bogota, just different perspective from yeah. Colombia. Mm-hmm. So landing in Bogota, essentially, right? Uh, I had this. Uh, I had the ability to just kind of just be. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just walk around, and it was this aspect too, right, where nobody was 
you know, I think in, in the U.S., right, we know how it is, right, with race and the burdens that we carry, the trauma we have to consistently relive, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean, every On other week or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. even just with people being, you know, with uh, us being murdered by police. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's like, when do we get to live, you know, mm-hmm. like, and actually enjoy life? And mm-hmm. I think, like, that's the, that's another, that that's a whole different topic as far it as is, it is. Uh, rest as a sense of justice, right? As mm-hmm. restorative justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah. I spent that time resting, not in any positions, just kind of there, you know, really just sit in my apartment too, mapping out what I want to do when I start working again mm-hmm. and where I want to invest my time, you know, and things that are life affirming. And I came up right with teaching and I've always been a teacher. Mm-hmm. So teaching and um, learning, of course, a, a lifetime learner, um, but uh, teaching and writing. And um, Paradox and Poetry also cultivated those two things consistently because they fed into one another. Mm -hmm. So I always look at ways in which I can, you know, create things that are sustainable, you know, for me. Right. And then um, Paradox and Poetry, the the whole open mic space was a way actually for me to heal and for me to process my trauma. Mm -hmm. And then I just opened that space up, I feel like, to others. And you realize that other people had the same desires and mm-hmm. you know and if you initiate vulnerability mm-hmm. i think everybody else is uh more prone to open up as well so it started in uh el nido with mm-hmm. whitney at whitney's cafe mm-hmm. in uh oh, la candelaria <laughs> y'all it was the cutest little cafe it was so tiny maybe there were room for like three or four tables but what it did it just set the the mood as it was really like a safe space it was really intimate so um when someone would get up to share you just you automatically felt a connection with them so yeah mm-hmm. hey shout out yeah. to Whitney and El yeah, Nido. <laughs> shout out to Whitney and, and, yeah, and you of course that. were bringing that that vibe into yeah. it you know? yeah yeah and I, we talked about it you know with her and that's what I would do I would go to the hostels I'd go to the cafes I would speak to the owners I would share the idea and then I would send them a proposal this is like the events the, our style is the idea um and with Whitney I didn't want paradox and poetry to grow too fast mm-hmm. you know because I really wanted it to have that kind of community feel, that kind of tight knit, like, man, we're, we're united by, mm-hmm. you know, our stories. And, uh, and so, you know, and this, it was, this is all right. And where I was living, you know, close to where I was yeah. living too. Everything so. was walking distance to Travis, exactly. by the way. <laughs> it's like, I live right there. Let's yeah. do the event here. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. Right. And so scaling, you know, so a lot of thought did go into it, you know, just sitting there, you know, it's it's always interesting, right? That, that th- those times that we sit in the dark, not necessarily, that's kind of sound depressing. Those times we sit by ourselves <laughs> and we map things out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we map yeah, things out that, and, and then it reaches, you know, it's like the seed that's growing underground that you, you, you start to see the stem and the sprout, but mm-hmm. you know, that thing has been germinating. It's got that those thing roots. Has been pushing yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. started small and then like I said with uh then into Messiah and then you know with the, some of the community uh spaces we had uh um the cultural houses oh, yes. that we did events at that was like uh, the right workshops. when I was leaving that mm-hmm, was that yeah, started yeah. doing like the writing workshops which mm-hmm. was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we did a uh one live 
show, which is another thing because we had basically open mic poetry nights, live events and shows, conferences, conferences and commissions, and then uh, workshops and education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted to launch Paradox and Poetry Kids before I left. And we were work. I was working on that one uh, uh, before I had to go back to the U.S. So, OK, yeah. so we've kind of recapped what happened in Bogota with Paradox mm -hmm. and Poetry and you yes. kind of deconstructing. Right. Deconstructing yes, yes. Travis. <gasps> oh, I like that. That might be the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. So I need to be more vulnerable in the interwebs. It's a very that's very hard for me. That's my struggle. I think oh, yeah. now because I'm not I'm not very used to that, right? You mm -hmm. you put me in a room with a bunch of people and I can You're good. I can yeah, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But um I think uh marketing myself online and or presenting myself online, mm -hmm. yeah, I have some some struggles with that as far as maybe finding voice in this this sea of this audience it of the world. It really is. It really is. Mm -hmm. well, I'm glad that I could be like that little stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're going to get a little bit more comfortable and put yourself out there because really you have, I think, so much to give and to teach. That's, you know, your passion and you have a really great way of getting the message across and reaching people. So yeah, Thank don't you. be shy. Like jump in. True that. Okay. True that. True that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on from Bogota and then into Mexico. So you went back home, COVID, oh my gosh, we were all, you know, thrown about. Mm -hmm. yes. So how did you choose Mexico? Because I know you, we were talking around that time. You're like, I think I might mm -hmm. go, I don't know, maybe I have a friend. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. like you're there, there. So tell yeah. us a little bit about what it's like to live there, to work there. And then, of course, your projects, because you started... Um, not only paradox and poetry, but you've got lots of new projects in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was in the U.S. and, you know, ended up getting stuck. Mm. <laughs> Some of us yeah. are still stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. COVID <laughs> changed everything. And, you know, for Virgo, that's, uh, you know, we like, we, you know, we I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Virgo. And, uh you know, we make our lists and uh, <laughs> we like to try to try to follow our list to keep us ourselves uh, organized. <clears throat> and so, yeah, when I was in uh, Minnesota, COVID hit, uh, I was with my dad. And so that even like just uh, there was a lot even there in that space. I was leaving Colombia, right? This place where I felt I truly belonged, right? Mm -hmm. In this way. And I was returning to the U.S. and I'm returning to the Midwest U.S. And we're all thrown about, but then also people who were so used to things being as they were. And I think this was also a very, uh, I think this is very key for me. An initial, um, <clears throat> something that always boiled my blood was when people would say, it's always been done this way. Mm -hmm. You know, anytime I would work with organizations, you know, I was always coming in to disrupt things. I was always coming in to shake things up because I believe in like, Questions mm -hmm. that are that lead to innovation, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That make you more flexible and adaptable for, you know, change. You know, I want to motivate and I want to catalyze change. And even before Paradox and Poetry, I started an organization called Paradox Culture. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the tagline for that was to cultivate and catalyze kind of global culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Paradox and Poetry is sort of also a continuation of that idea, too, right, of a, of a, of a global community you know, through shared stories, experiences, and essentially just being human, which is empathy, right? right? Mm -hmm. 
Mexico was still open and I booked for July, waited three more months, had to cancel that flight, you know, and then I, I mean, I booked in April, sorry. Yeah, April. And then had to leave in July. I left uh, and I got to uh, in July, July 10th, mm-hmm. I uh, arrived in uh, Mexico. So what I've seen from you, correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, I can't keep up with you um, mm-hmm. in Mexico because it's like, yeah, I want to try the mountains. I want to see the beach. I want to get mm-hmm. in the north. I want to be in the south, east or west. Yeah. And the so biggest thing like was I wanted to be around at the a beach. Bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the beach. Yeah. Well, I, I was mm-hmm. there for maybe maybe nine months or so, right? Mm-hmm. In Baja California Sur. My intention was I, I just want to be at the beach. If I'm going to be stuck in a house, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like during quarantine. I want to be able to actually to have access to the water and I want mm-hmm. to have access to the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those are like my safe spaces, <laughs> you know, like and I, you guys, I'm going to link his Instagram because Travis is really, I want to say like connected to nature. And I love yes, that yes. too. So <laughs> on his little walks, he's like, this is what I see at the moment. So he's uploading mm-hmm. like really scenic videos and photos and stuff like that. So you guys uh, check him out on the gram. True that, true that. So you also told me that you have this new group. Actually, I didn't even know you had this group. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much about you. Yes, yes. (laughs) I always have stuff going on behind the scenes that doesn't make it to the whole, you know, social media space and in the public. But there's always things going on behind the scenes. So it's called Black Without Borders. Mm -hmm. What is it? Who is it for? Well, I mean the names in the name um mm-hmm. <laughs> but kind of what's the premise behind black without borders yeah so black without borders is basically like uh it's a network to create sort of global travel you know what i mean um international travel among you know black americans you know what i mean i want you know i want us to we don't have um it's very really big on my heart you know international mobility is not something that is big for us. Now, nationally, yes, it's so interesting. I was at a cafe today and two black women came in. And every time I'm abroad, I always, if I see black people, I'm like, yo, bro, what's up? I, I pound my brothers. I see black women. Hey, sister, which I, which I hear, which I, you know, I want to know, right? Um, what their experience is. And uh, because we don't always travel and it's so, so few of us, right? In international spaces, I feel even so much more impressed to, make that connection. So, um, you know, I saw these these two women and uh, yeah, we just sparked up a conversation. One actually ended up being like having her master's in, in, in writing, in, in poetry, in poetics, she said. And so, like I said, you know, when you just uh, initiate and you can just talk with people, you find some great connections. So Black Without Borders is to create, right, an international mobility within uh, you know, our diaspora, right? As, as, and also just like Black people in the U.S. to know that like, man, there's Black Cubans, there's Black Mexicans. Like I have Black Mexican friends I've, I've created, uh, I've made here, right? And hearing from them on their experience of being Black, because we even, we were out together, me and my Black Mexican friends, and people are like, ¿Dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? Like, where are you guys from? You know what I'm saying? And they're like, well, I'm from here. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> so this whole this whole group, right, uh, is to create that international mobility. Um, I feel like within our families, right, starting, you know, to kind of have that uh, as a where we can have properties in other places and 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 have rest and be like, man, I'm just gonna go to our little 
villa, you know what I mean, our little casita in Mexico or something. Or I want that to be a, a normal thing, right, for us and our families to have spaces like this um, and for our people to have spaces like this and to be able to uh, uh, do international trade, right, and have our own businesses. I'm here in Merida, yo, I can go to Mexico City right now and grab some products for you guys. I'll send up the textiles uh, next week or out, right? So where we're creating international commerce and, and, and empowering one another and creating our own our own economy environments, right? Where we, we're empowering each other's businesses and podcasts and all of these things. So that's the idea, you know, of Black Without Borders is to like, you know, we have the the intelligence, we have the fortitude, we have the resistance, you know what I mean? Um, we have the ingenuity, like when I went to Kenya and saw the stuff that they create and so it's just like, and, and I say this as someone who I feel like as a like interculturalist, you know I mean, who I believe in like creating global community with all, all cultures and races. But this is this is that specific aim to focus on us and to create even black ambassadors, you know, to China. You know, what I mean, I ha we have this person in China who's there. Right. And if you need resources you, and, and that's what I do within the group, I just plug people and network and connect them. People want to know resources mm -hmm. because something like this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the more, I think, details you can give, the better. And even just, like I said, knowing that there's something out there like that, that yes. you couldn't have imagined before. So it's like, ah, I could, as a Black American or from any you know country, I can go to this place and start a business. Like that is a mm -hmm. viable option for me. That's right. So yeah, That's explain right. it. Come on. Yeah, here. yeah. Don't be and sure. And, and what was interesting, the reason I brought up meeting those two women today was because they asked me, well, where your, where's your family from? I said, New Jersey. They said, oh, and before that, oh, South Carolina. And she was like, yep, that's where most of us, Virginia, South Carolina, et cetera, like black people, right, who came over from Africa. And we all have very similar stories <laughs> that something caused us to migrate. And we mostly, it was racism, right? It was, it was the, it was police. It was brutality. It was you know, and in, and in my case, you know, it was, you know, abuse, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 you know, I won't get too deep into that story, um, you know, but it's, yeah, I'll, yeah, another time. But um, my family had to flee, you know what I'm saying? My, my family had to flee, um, uh, you know, mobs and things like this uh, to go to New Jersey and to start over. So we are not, it's in our blood, you know what I'm saying? In many ways to be versatile and to have to go and start over in a new place to rebuild our lives. You have to think of people who, it was illegal for them to read, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I, wanted, get, I wanted you to get, I wanted I you to up, get sorry. it out. Okay, <laughs> yeah. don't worry, don't worry. Um, while you take a moment, don't worry, yeah. uh, for explaining a bit about Black Without Borders. So yeah. uh, and so that essentially, if you want me to, I can say that, sh share that shortly. Create international mobility within like, you know, Black Americans. And you have four groups of people. No passport with the intentions and plans to travel. Mm -hmm. Passport, but no international travel yet, right? Maybe you have a passport, you know, with the intention, right, uh, uh, to travel, um, but you're living stateside now. And then like, you know, you have a passport um, and you're living abroad, right? Uh, Part-time or full-time. And so, you know, those kind of catering to those uh, four groups of people, but it essentially is to, 
network and to create those relationships among uh, those who travel, those who desire to travel, right? And that's it, really. Those who travel, those who desire to travel and providing tools and things to, uh, yeah, to just bridge the gap of knowledge, you know. Okay, so Travis Thomas bridging the gap of of knowledge. Um, do you have any last words or advice or inspiration that you want to share with the listeners? One thing that I guess just comes to me off the top of my head, right, is uh, I was in Mazatlan. So there's a black community, uh, uh, black in, in Mazatlan. Uh, I think Ariana started this group, uh, uh, a friend of mine's. And so, you know, there's there's groups of more than many times it's a group of black women, actually. Mm-hmm. That are that are um, usually in places, you know, they've created their own little communities and enclaves, you know. And, and can they're I, like, you can need I to bring just some shed brothers. some insight into ahead, why that happens? Mm-hmm. First of all, I, I mean, I don't have the statistics on it, but mm-hmm. I've been traveling for over 15 years and I can count on the on one hand the number of like black men that I came mm-hmm. across versus black mm-hmm. women. So it seems that we are just more willing to kind of go and not mm-hmm. wait for other people to join us, but just go. Mm-hmm. And another reason that we create this, these communities is because we need to know, where can I get my hair done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> true, true, Who's true. got the shea butter, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there are things very specific to the Black woman mm-hmm. that it's like, even if you're outside of your home country, you need to know, how can I do this? Where do I need to mm-hmm. go? who's got the scoops. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that. And then of course, just like the social aspect, you don't always, when you're abroad and in a place that, that is not predominantly, you know, without a lot of diversity, you're Mm -hmm. othered, not, it's not the same as how you feel in the U S but if you've got your girls, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just, there's like, there's power in that. So no, that's real. This is, this is why we're, we, we be creating our little groups (laughs) everywhere we go. And I feel like even, you know, like I said, and I'll get to that final point, but even in Colombia, you know, for me, you know, grasping and feeling and like deconstructing, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the, I think we all as black people too, you know, unearthing uh, self-hatred that is uh, passed down from generation mm-hmm. to generation, right? And the way we perceive ourselves, look at ourselves, or whatever so it is, right? Profound, yes. So black women have always been like a very... Um, you mean like that's what really led to a lot of healing, you know, I mean, you know, just being raised by a single you know, mother um, for most of my life, you know, um, really all of my childhood, you know, predominantly. So, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like that even the whole Afro, you know, like we did the Afro poetry nights, that was so healing for me to create that type of those spaces, like with Catherine and uh, like, I couldn't have done it without, without uh, Catherine and you um, and Joyce popping in at the end there. And like, so that was like so powerful, you know what I mean? For me. And that was healing for me, you know? Um, so yeah. So basically when I was in Mazatlan, Rochelle, uh, Rochelle Black, uh, Dawkins, no, I'm messing up her last name, but she's got, uh, I can't remember her YouTube, but yeah, she does videos and she asked to interview me. Me and her went to El Faro one time. And we hiked to the top of this like kind of mountain and it's just all steps in Mazatlan. And basically she interviewed and she was like, what would you, what, what tips would you give to, you know, to black people who want to travel or someone who wants to go? 
And um, I think it's been the same for me throughout my entire life is don't discount um, the power of incrementalism. And I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. You know, we, say it again. Say it again yeah, for the people in the back. Don't discount the power of incrementalism, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit every day, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that plan, oh, I want to do this and exercise an hour, start five minutes, you know, mm-hmm. start, as I said, I started with the paradox and poetry. I wanted to start in a tiny bakery to scale mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. feel and then grow it, whatever right, to, like, you do. Build that base. Exactly. That was actually Just the first time that I read anything that I'd written publicly because my friend was like, now you go. And because you had cultivated that intimate space I like as a first time poet because I claim mm. it now <laughs> nice love it that's right <laughs> I felt so welcomed and I, I didn't have like that you know earth-shattering nerves like oh my god I can't do it I was just mm-hmm. like yes of course I'm gonna read this thing that I didn't know I was gonna mm-hmm. read today and that has nothing to do with anything and it was well received I was like oh well I'm gonna keep writing then <laughs> that's right that's right yeah and I always say like you know the paradox mm. of our, 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 our the, the, the paradox of our poetry about paradox something anyways it's in my (laughs) proposal i can't remember the slogan but it's really good but anyways incrementalism just start wherever you are just start if it's the you want to travel abroad uh internationally start within your city go to that next city over you know Mm -hmm. stay for two days or on the weekend walk around exactly all the things that you would be doing for another country do it in your own backyard exactly i just said this to a friend on the phone the other day from canada and he's Uh like hey if you find spaces, this is how much I have to invest in a place in Mexico, right? And so mm-hmm. now he, you know, I have friends who are then like half properties and then are like, man, if you find something, I Let would love know. to right. get something. If you could, you know, kind of be that, how do you say that word? Intermediary, or okay. intermediary you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, we can even invest together. And <laughs> I said, this, you know, it's not about the status, but it's about the practice, mm-hmm. you know? So start with the practice of exploring outside the realms of what you know and understand incrementally, little by little. And trust me, when you have the, you know, if it's a capital thing or whatever it, it may be, when it's time, you know, like Nip, Nip, Nipsey Hussle said, how long to opportunity meets preparation? If you mm-hmm. haven't been preparing, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to pass you not, by. You need exactly. to do Exactly. So you, you, you yes. have to do that preparation work. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this to end. I just actually had a, um, was in a edu hackathon. And long story short, we won. My team, we created this campaign to create a, a, a platform. Uh, to help with like uh, sustainable education in Africa and in the Middle East. And so I joined on in this project over the weekend and I uh, created sort of the the business model for the group. And uh, it's a great team. Halal, uh, Brahim, uh, Iyasha. Sorry, but from all around, you know, Morocco, okay. uh, Sudan and UAE, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And we pitched, you know, in a, in a, in a pitched to judges and investors and we actually won you know what I mean with our idea congratulations thank you thank you thank you so I'm feeling feeling good about that so I'm off of that win give me some finger snaps (laughs) you know we 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 preparing man we moving forward we doing it you know we Mm -hmm. we we creating networks and uh we're we're creating uh plans of empowerment you know and uh we're not we're not trying to take second second Mm -hmm. and we're not trying to wait on the kindness of other people you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I so. mean, you, again, you're you're preaching because everything that you're saying is just like, you know, hitting the nail on the head. You do have to, to do it for yourself. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we get a bit maybe like caught up in like what is owed and, 
Mm-hmm. It's just like, if you mm-hmm. want to do it, make it, do it yourself, right? That's right. That's right. You know, so, victims over here. We do, we yeah. do what, you know, what we need to do to get to where we need to go. And exactly. Yeah, there's, there's literally it. nothing stopping us. And like you said, part of that is having to retrain what we have been taught mm-hmm. our whole lives about mm-hmm. being second best. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not the case. I have everything mm-hmm. that's right. that I need to be exactly who I, who I want. Exactly. I love that, that about, what is it? Preparation me- meeting opportunity. Mm-hmm. How long? The opportunity meets preparation. You oh, know what I mean? When you said that, man. you know. I mean? Yeah. So. Just so hey, if you are listening and there's something that you wanted to start, but it seems big and daunting, mm-hmm. you know, do it in increments, as Travis Thomas would say. Just do it. start, start small. now. Start anything. Yep. Start is today. always better than nothing. You yep. know. You just finish the book. Read the chapter. Step. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Just one chapter or do one page, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Every day mm-hmm. or a paragraph, whatever it is, just start. Break it down into those like manageable bites, you know? That's right. Until That's right. until you are where you mm-hmm. want it to be. Yeah. 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 yeah we are. Yeah. There. We have to do this again because I have so much stuff I haven't even <laughs> shared. Too. And I'm sorry. I hey, kind of went Travis, on. You, we are, we're totally going to do part two. We're going to do part two because, gotcha. you know, we've got some notes here. We didn't quite touch on everything. Yeah, I'm long-winded. You should have known this. <laughs> <laughs> so my new book is called um, uh, Inner Immigrant. Uh, okay. the piece, pieces Come Together. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is complete. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just now in the process of just being edited. Everything is complete. The artwork, all of that. And um, it's just a matter of me starting to share that story with the world in the way I want awesome. to share it. You know what hey, I'm saying? Travis, in part two, we're going to have a link to your ebook. We're going to have you do a reading uh, and we're going to like deep dive into, into everything that we didn't have time yeah, for yeah, today. Yeah. We didn't talk about investment <laughs> and wealth building and black families. Yeah. So much, so yes, much projects. Travisteaches.education. Yes. Find me. Yes. So, yes. Next yes. time. One more time. One more time. Say it again. Travisteaches.education. All right. So I'll be mm-hmm. teaching English, also basic Spanish, also for mm-hmm. Black people. That's another thing. Empowering us, we have to be able to speak multiple languages. This is very common for Africans, you know, speak Swahili and English and Arabic. And, mm-hmm. you know, so in their own, you know, uh, um, tribal languages and stuff. So we have to also take it up another level. Absolutely. You know, black people, it just it opens so many doors being multilingual. Yes. Like mm-hmm. even with my two and a half languages, like. I could move around the world. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. So, I would love to talk to you about yeah, that. Find so, me on LinkedIn too. Everything. Yes, we'll yes. put it all I'm in. gonna I'm gonna put it all in there so people can can search for you. If you have any mm-hmm. questions, don't be shy, reach out. And of course, you know, comment uh below any questions there. Travis will have access to that. Yep. Um, so you guys, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode, episode seven of the Kiwi Travels podcast here with uh Travis Thomas, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I got to give you your flowers sometimes too. So maybe next up, so I get to talk about, you know, how incredible you are to step in and like, we couldn't have done the whole, you know, Afro poetry nights without you, you know what I mean? Being very instrumental in that that and helping out and just, just being there, being Mm -hmm. hands on deck and like, yo, how can I help? What can I do? And just Mm -hmm. like I said, nothing is done by me alone. Like I said, I'm grateful to connect with incredible black women uh who have been like my backbone really you know what i'm saying in a lot of those spaces and situations so thank no, you I mean, honestly that was that was my pleasure i was i mean full 
full speed ahead. I, I really believe in you and your initiatives and really everything you're doing because you're like such a dope guy. So <laughs> um, this is this is like turned into a, a love affair <laughs> over a podcast. <laughs> you're the best. No, you're the best. <laughs> but really, we're both the best. I mean, true that's that, just true that. we are, we're that. awesome. We're, you know. we're the best. Okay, you know. that's it. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and until next time, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Kimmy Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, be sure to share it with others and on social media. You can also leave a review or rating wherever you listen to podcasts. To hear the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kimushka underscore Kimmy Travels, on Twitter at Kimmy underscore Travels, or you can visit my website, www.kimmytravels.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time. And remember, enjoy the journey.